Hello everyone and welcome back to Let's Go On An Adventure. We are on episode 12, you guys. Episode 12, we've made it about three months in. This is pretty awesome. And from the start where we've had a few, you know, downloads here and there in the United States, we have now reached so many countries. And granted, it's just the start. I am reaching Russia, we've reached Germany, the UK, Brazil, the Netherlands, and we're going to keep going. And I'm excited for that. So thank you all for downloading and listening to what I have to say about these books. It truly makes my days. Um, it it does make my week, actually. It makes me excited to do the next podcast. And I've never been more excited to read and share what I have to... Um, what I've experienced through these books that I've read. And it makes me excited. So thank you. Thank you all. So I have gotten a couple of questions. I am still setting up my Instagram. It's still in a work in progress, so that way I can have more book-related questions and have all of my followers ask questions about the books or possible books that are coming up or different recommendations and stuff like that. However, recently I've had some more in-person questions from uh, friends and family who actually listen to my podcast. And again, thank you guys for listening. And I had a friend ask me, hey, why don't you bring up any type of stuff that's going on in the world today in your podcast? And the answer is simple. And I'm going to answer that because here for everyone, because I know it's something that people do wonder when it comes to platforms like this is, you know, why aren't you bringing up the things that are going on in the world? Why don't you bring up, you know, all the crazy for that very reason? It's a bunch of crazy. When I come onto this podcast it's not to relive what I'm hearing every single day. The constant thing. I work more than one job. I hear about everything that goes on in the world from customers on a constant. Even if I ask them, no, let me just check you out. Let me just take care of you, you know, and you can go on your way. I hear about it constantly. And I know all of you hear about it constantly. This platform is a safe space. Not just for me, but for all those who listen. It is a platform where for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, however long these podcasts can be, you can escape. You get to hear about a world that is not our own. And that brings up another question that I've been asked is, you know, why do you do mostly fantasy? Why don't you do any type of, you know, histories or sci-fi or, you know, murder mysteries and stuff like that? Again, for the same reason, there's a lot of crazy in the world. I read a lot of fantasy because it has nothing to do with our real world. Nothing whatsoever. There might be some, you know, parallels or semblance here and there. But for the most part, my books are completely 100% fictitious. The real world is not in them in any way, shape, or form. And I like that. Because when I read, I don't want to be here. I want an escape. And I would assume, and forgive me for assuming, many of you who are listening who listen to my podcast, that's part of the other reason why you listen. They're not just recommendations for you. They're recommendations to escape the crazy of this world, whether it's crazy from the big world or crazy from family stuff or crazy from work or whatever. It is a way to break away for 30 minutes out of the day. Maybe even an hour. If you're an avid reader like me, sometimes it can go on to like seven hours if the book isn't that good. To just escape the crazy of the world and the just everything 
and focus on and be a different character or watch as a complete fictitious world and scenarios unfold. That's why I do it. That's why I do mostly fantasy stories because there's no better way to escape the real world than diving into a world of dragons, of uh, sisters battling each other, of magic, of you know, dragon riders, of Vikings, everything. Everything that doesn't have to do with today. So for today, those are going to be the questions that I answer. There's other questions, but I'm going to save that for another day. And you know what? We're going to dive in to the fictitious world that I have for you. And you know what? It's a series that I have read almost every book of. I'm working on the second to last one because the last one isn't out yet. Because, you know, my bad habits, am I right? So let's keep going. So today on episode 12, the series I have for you is the Touch of Darkness series by uh, Scarlet St. Clair. Now, before I go any further, any of my young listeners under the age of 18, this series is not for you. And the reason why I say that is because if you read these, you will probably be scarred for life on many of the scenarios that they're in here. Um, this is very much a N.A. adult series. If you're reading this, you better let your parents take a look at it first because you're, you're going to get into a world that you're not ready for. <laughs> so, that being said, there's also triggers in this series. Not so much in the first one, um, but in the second one and so far in the third one, the very third book, um, there's actually a trigger warning at the front. Basically saying that there is content in here that is triggering as well as hotline numbers for those of us who have friends that are suffering or even ourselves um so that right there tells you what could possibly be in this book now the touch of darkness series is adult fantasy very sexual it's very spicy it's very spicy emotional and there's like i said trigger content however the story is rather amazing the story is a Persephone Hades spinoff. And the reason why I say that is because we all know that, you know, mythologies behind Persephone, Hades, Apollo, Athena, all that kind of stuff. We know their backgrounds for the most part. Some of us are still kind of a little hazy, but, you know, we know that they're ancient Greek mythology. This is Greek mythology brought kind of, sort of, in the real world, but not really. A new age of Greek mythology where the gods essentially live among people still as gods, but they act more as celebrities people know who they are they know that they're the gods of the world and they'll come and ask favors such as you know trying to ask hades to you know save their loved ones you know bring them back from the underworld and stuff like that and there's consequences as well as you know bargains made and such like that which is really cool so it does follow certain aspects of greek mythology as well as making it kind of new now when i say this book is spicy i mean uh, out of five chili peppers, we're looking at a 4.5. It's, 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 it's pretty hot. <laughs> it is. Now, there is a borderline between what we would call a spicy book and smut, I would say. Um, smut, I would definitely say, is more of the books where you're literally there to read it for, essentially, word porn. Correct? It's the books like, you know, the, the Duke's Mistress or, you know, the duchesses you know pool boy stuff like that it's stuff that we know is going to lead to spice we don't care about the story the story is very very flat there's really no substance to it 
it is there mostly for the sexual content. This series, however, actually has substance. Very much substance. Now, I know people are, might possibly be kind of tired of these types of books because there's been a lot of different spinoffs lately. There's been a lot of uh, Disney spinoffs, Disney villain spinoffs, different uh, Hades and Persephone spinoffs as well. There's been a lot. Uh, Lore of Olympus has been really good, really big one uh, right now, which is a webtoon that has been published. It is actually pretty good. And I would say for the most part, it is pretty child friendly. There is some kind of... Okay, by child-friendly, I mean teenage-friendly. There is some triggers in there. I will not lie. Sexual assault and essentially rape being one of them. But it's very minor. And by minor, I mean it's not huge throughout the book. There's an instance, and it is discussed a few times. It is not something that is very, very heavy. It's not like it keeps kind of happening. It's not one of those types of books. I would still say a good, you know... Look over by a parent first before letting their kids read it. Because like I said, it is a webtoon, which means it's more comic-like. So, panels. But back to the series. I'm really enjoying this series. Um, I will say that so far, book three is a lot darker. Book four, unfortunately, does not come out for another year. And by year, I mean it doesn't come out until October of 2023. And it makes me upset. So, but before that, there's the three other books, which is A Touch of Darkness, A Touch of Ruin, and then the third book being A Touch of Malice. And that's the one I am on right now. I'm about halfway through. Now, when I say I devoured these books, I mean that I bought book one, waited a couple days to read it. Once I started reading it, I finished it within, with less than 24 hours. I started it in the evening. I finished it the next day by about two o'clock, three o'clock. Waking up at about 10. <laughs> Started reading at about 11. So within a few hours. It's not a very long book. They're not even 500 pages long. But that being said, I finished book one. After work, I went to Barnes & Noble and I bought book two. Started reading it that night. Finished it the next day. Went and bought book three. Due to being really busy, I have not even finished book three. I've actually just started it tonight. I bought book three yesterday. Yeah. So, um, I'm still reading it. I will probably have it done by tomorrow. But that's beside the point. We're not going to talk about it. We're also not going to talk about my spending habits. We're leaving that off. But it's really good. I'm really enjoying it. Now, if you're not someone who likes to read explicit scenes, yeah, you're probably not the series for you. If you're not wanting to get into a series, but you're interested about this book, you can honestly stop at book one they end it nicely pretty you know go forward and everything like that or not go forward but pretty pretty cut and dry if you choose to do that kind of like a happily ever after if you're like me knowing that there's more books knowing there's more that happens after the happily ever after you're gonna get the rest of them that being said book two does not end with that type of cut and dry ending it does end on a cliffhanger so you have to get book three remember that <laughs> so um for a quick like kind of summary of how the books are we all know that Hades and Persephone are essentially together in Greek mythology now there's different 
aspects of that on how they get together, if they actually like each other, if she's more of a slave to the underworld, everything like that. But a very common thing about Persephone is that she was originally thought to be the goddess of spring, the goddess of fertility and everything. But when in actuality, she is more of the god of destruction. And hence the name Persephone. I think the, per the word Persephone actually means uh, destruction or chaos in Greek. But I'm not 100%. Don't quote me. I'm not a linguist. Now... With that being said, you can kind of gauge how this is going to go. The concept of it is that Persephone is in the real world for the first time, the upper world, um, due to the fact that she has been stuck with her mother, Demeter. I'm pretty sure that's not exactly how it's pronounced, but we're going to go with it, okay? Just, just go with me. And by stuck, I don't mean she's just chilling there, you know, not really wanting to go out into the real world or has no access to it. I mean... Well, no, I do mean she has no access to it. She's been literally kept isolated with her mother until she essentially begs to be out in the real world at the age of 18. And yes, by age of 18, I do mean like actual age of 18. Okay. Now the real world or upper world is the world that you can kind of say is ours, but not. Um, the gods, like I said, are living more like celebrities. They're known as still the Greek gods. And have followers and, you know, those who are loyal to them and everything like that. Um, but that's that's essentially beside the point. They live as more of celebrities. Apollo being beloved as the god of music. Um, Hermes, kind of beloved, but seems like kind of like the guy you really want to, you know, watch when it comes to drinking. Because you know he's going to get you drunk on purpose just to laugh at you. Because <laughs> he's the god of trickery. But also seems like he'd be a really chill best friend if you got to know him. But... You're going along in this world. There's different things that are different in the world now. One being that oracles are still a thing. Let's say you take 2022. Oracles are still a thing. However, there's actually a school where once you learn that you have the gift of foresight, you go to school to learn the difference between, you know, a false prophecy, a real prophecy, how your visions go, your divination, all that kind of stuff. False prophets, all that kind of stuff. Anyone who has any particular gift like that has a school that they go through. Or if they have a god, essentially, that they hold above, that they follow and everything, they go to school for that. So, for instance, if you're a follower of Hecate, uh, or Hecate, uh, the goddess of witchcraft, you would go to school to learn witchcraft, how to be a witch, and essentially like that, and how to be a good follower of your goddess while learning these kinds of things. Which, in an aspect, is actually kind of cool. It's kind of like Hogwarts without being Hogwarts. I know. I'm geeky. Leave me alone. Now, Persephone is essentially going to school because one of the things that she holds very dear is truth. Very dear. And so she joins to become essentially a journalist and gets an internship at a high, you know, like high regard type of uh, paper. I think it's called the New Athens beat or something like that. It's New Athens something. <laughs> I remember that much. I didn't pay attention to what the paper's name was. I'm sorry. But that's, that's what she wants to do. Well, she realizes that she really wants to learn more about Hades, even though her mom told her to stay away from the gods. Don't do it. Blah, blah, blah. Well, there's something about the fact that, you know, this god is everyone hates. They don't like him. Well, why? Why don't they like him? So she starts doing some digging and everything. Here's the thing. 
She's hiding the fact that she is immortal. She's hiding the fact that she's a goddess. And this is going to become a problem because she feels like she doesn't know how to use her powers. They don't come to fruition. She doesn't know how to make things grow like her mother. If she's supposed to be the goddess of spring or fruit, you know, fertility, she should be able to make a flower sprout. But every time she touches a plant, it crumbles. Instead of giving life, essentially she kills plants. And that kind of devastates her. So if she can't do what she's supposed to do as a goddess, she wants to make a different name for herself, which is she wants to be a journalist. Here's where things get hairy. She goes to a nightclub that Hades owns with a friend of hers, a mortal friend who has no idea that she is a goddess. And she ends up kind of in some trouble. She ends up making a bargain with Hades, you know, in a very steamy kind of way. And the bargain was, you know, play cards. She wins. She can ask anything of him. She loses. He gets to ask a favor. He gets something. And of course, being Hades, he wins, right? There'd be no story if she won, right? No story. And he tells her that she's to make a garden in the underworld. He knows she's a goddess. He's not an idiot. He is one of the top powerful three, which is Zeus, Hades, and Poison. They are the three gods that you don't mess with, period. Now, here's the thing. Everyone gives Hades a lot of hate because, you know, he's the god of the undead and everything. But one thing that Persephone notices when she's on the underworld is the souls are very happy. It's like being in a village full of happy people. And the people that work for Hades, his staff, and the people that chose to be in his service truly admire and love Hades. Now you think, well, he's a god. They're going to admire and love their boss, right? Yeah, but there's a certain genuine quality when it comes to enjoying working for someone and simply doing your job. You can like your job, but not be truly happy in it. And these beings truly are. The souls truly are. And in the process, she actually learns what is all entailed for being the god of the underworld and what Hades actually does. And one of the things she realizes is Hades is not all bad. Like, not all bad at all. That he actually puts a lot of money towards a lot of charities. And he actually listens to her. One of the things she actually berated him about is the fact that she, he makes bargains with mortals. And knowing that they'll probably lose and making things harder for them. And he's like, no, I don't. It's their choice. And she's like... No, it's their choice, but you're not actually offering them any type of help. They're coming to you for help. And instead of offering them actual help, whether they win or lose, you're giving them ultimatums. And one of the things he said, which actually kind of stuck at me, is a lot of the people that come forward to see him are people who are addicts. Um, people who are struggling with like alcohol addiction and are into drugs and everything, stuff like that. And part of his ultimatum and everything is, you know, if he wins is, you want to be better? You want to, you know... You gotta quit. That is what you'll do to win my favor kind of thing. Anyone who's lived with an addict of any sort knows that that is not an easy thing to do. Now, he does it because he knows some people will make it. And he knows some people won't. Because he can see their souls. And he essentially will know when they can die. When their thread of fate will be cut. And he does make bargains for those. And they are in the strands of fate around his body because he has to bargain with the fates. Now, 
because of the conversation she made with him, because she said, you know, if you were truly trying to help them, you would make them go to rehab or ha set up something, not just go to rehab, but have them go to rehab and pay for their full stay so they can actually get help. He took her words to a point to heart. Actually, no, it was full, full on. He creates a project, a rehabilitation center for mortals where they can go and seek help for free. But at that point, it is up to them to seek the help. So he actually listened to her and that actually meant something to her. And it did not go unnoticed by her mother. Her mother has noticed that she's been spending more and more time with the god of, you know, the underworld, the god of darkness. And she essentially tries everything she can to stop her, including threatening to imprison her again. And you see Persephone falter a few times and, like, essentially bend to her mother's will because she knows. She knows that her mom will essentially do exactly what she said. will imprison her in her greenhouse. And it's not until basically Zeus, not Zeus, um, Hades shows her that she is her own person. And she can continue to be her own person. Now, I am personally leaving out all the spicy parts because there, <laughs> there's a lot. I won't even lie. There's a lot of spice. Um, so much that I'm not going to lie. I was kind of taking notes. <laughs> so, and that synopsis was literally just for book one. I actually have the synopsis for book two for you. And I think it's awesome. Like I said, things end on somewhat of a happy note on book uh, one. Book two is where things start taking a turn. You notice that there is a huge communication issue between Hades and Persephone constantly, constantly. And it's putting a damper and strain on their relationship that, let's face it, sex can't fix. They try <laughs> multiple times, but they realize that there's more to it that they can't fix. The problem is, is neither one is willing to back down. They're both stubborn, essentially. One side also doesn't see what he's doing as wrong because of protection. And the other side doesn't see where she's being just as stubborn to not see his way. Now, uh, Hecat, or the goddess of witchcraft, is constantly in between the two of them trying to explain things. And being very much like, I get kind of more of like a motherly slash grandmotherly feel to her. I know she's not a grandmother, but how she speaks and how she's constantly calm with Persephone when it comes to things... And while teaching her to manage your magic and control it is really endearing. And it makes me think of a grandmother. It truly does. Now, at this point, she can also see that the power that Persephone has is absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy. It's strong. Problem is, is they are very much reactive to her emotions. And that causes a problem. Anytime she gets really emotional, things will start happening to the point where she's actually sprouting sprouts on her body. And when she tries to get rid of them and pull them out, it literally causes wounds on her body. So things are getting crazy, right? To make things even worse, her mother's still trying to split them up. Mother's trying to, you know, destroy this relationship because their relationship is now kind of public. The world still sees her as a mortal. The world does not see her as a goddess yet and everything because not even the actual big gods know that she even exists as a goddess. Which, if you know, myth, myth, you know Greek mythology, that's a no-no. So... There could be some some problem with that later, but we'll see. We'll see. But her mother does not like that. Now, she's pretty quiet for the most part in this book. Like, you don't have scenes with her and everything too much. Uh, except for there's a part where a random woman named Luce is trying to, like, barge in on 
Hades Club because she was one of his ex-girlfriends. Yeah, Persephone sees that and is like, um, so why is... Because she doesn't realize she's her his ex-girlfriend, but her girlfriend. And there he's... She says that out loud, and Persephone kind of just wants to kill her at that point. I I relate. Jealousy is a strong, strong emotion. There have been a few when it comes to my man where I'm just like, hmm, step back. Well, she confronts Hades, and he goes, what are you talking about? And he's like, oh, you know, crap. So he had turned loose into a tree. She, he had punished her because he caught her cheating. Broke his heart, essentially. Now, he had no idea she had been released from the tree because it wasn't by his magic. Guess whose magic it was by? Demeter. Now, Persephone, being the kind soul that she is, essentially forgives her because Luz is like, look, I'm sorry, I didn't, I've woken up from like 5,000 years in a tree and everything is new to me. I have no idea really what's going on. So Persephone's like, okay. We're going to get you your job back because Hades fired her when he found out. Get you your job back. We're going to get you a new ap your apartment back or at least new things, whatever. And we are going to figure this out together. I'll teach you. I'll take you under my ring. Now, at the time, she supposedly didn't remember who released her from the tree. The magic and everything. That's fine. Whatever. Things progress. Hades and Persephone are starting to learn more about each other that they didn't realize that needed to be learned. Like, for instance, Hades does have a darker side. For an, for one, he has a club called, you know, the Iniquity, full of sin and everything. And by sin, I mean there's prostitution, there's gambling, the mafia lords are there and everything. And when she questions him about this, he goes, you can't save everyone. But by having a place like this, he can watch all of them. And make sure they are not going too far. Which, you know what? I take that. Because it's true. You can't save everyone. There are some people, no matter how many times you punish them, they will still do what they do. Whether it's because it's all they know, no matter what excuse you give them, they will still do what they do. His idea was to create this place where they can be and he can keep an eye on them. And in return... They give him something. For one, he has a madam there who owns many brothels. He takes a cut percentage of those brothels. And on top of that, he makes sure every single one of her prostitutes go home safe. They're protected. Okay, fair enough. There are other things she learns and everything. She's learning more about the underworld. Except one night she wakes up. Hades isn't there. And she decides she needs to go for a walk. And his dogs... One being Cerberus. No, not a three-headed dog. Instead, they separate up as three dogs with three different names. Um, Dobermans. She's like, where's Hades? Take me to him. So they think that they do. Where she sees Hades having sex with Luce. She goes ballistic. And by ballistic, you can imagine the emotions that she's feeling right now. The earth cracks underneath her feet. Things are literally falling into disarray because of all this rage, this hurt, and everything. And she literally straight up stares at Zeus because Zeus is like, what's going on? What's wrong? What she saw wasn't real. She was in a part of the underworld that makes you face like your biggest depression, your biggest fears. And what she saw was her biggest fear, and that was Hades with his ex-girlfriend. 
they were able to calm her. They were able to realize where she was at. She shouldn't have been there. So now she knows how to stay away from it, right? Which is great. But it still did not leave her mind. It created a lot of chaos within her. Now, more chaos ensues. Here's where I'll say where this book is the most triggering. She has her best friend, her mortal friend, Lex. Lexa. These two are practically inseparable. She gets into an accident. And she's on life support. And for the first time, Persephone is seeing death in its most raw form. Losing someone you care about. And that's rough. We've all gone through there where we've lost someone that we love and we have to watch them essentially die, whether it's on life support and whatnot. And in her desperation, she makes a deal with Apollo. Apollo can heal. However, he can't heal her all the way. He heals her in body. That's it. Her soul wasn't ready to stay here. When she comes back out of her coma after like a week or two, the biggest thing is, why am I here? Why am I still here? Why am I here? I was in peace. Why am I here? And they thought it was essentially delusion and everything. And everyone was so happy to have her back. But she was not the Lexa that they lost. Hades is furious with Persephone at this point. Because she had originally gone to him and crying in tears. Going, you have to save her. You're the, you know, god of the underworld. You have to save her. And he said, I can't. She's in essentially what's called limbo. She's not dead yet. It's up to her. She has to make the choice. She didn't accept that and felt like he wouldn't help her on purpose. Like he didn't love her as much as he said because she wouldn't help her save her best friend. And it causes issue. It does. After a few weeks, it seems like Lexa is getting better. She's, you know, smiling again. She's in their apartment. She's making coffee. And then a few days later, she's with, you know, Hades doing their thing. And Thanatos, who, if you know the Greek mythology, is the essentially the Reaper. He's the one who escorts souls into the underworld. Comes to them and he goes, there's a problem. It's Lexa. Lexa, unfortunately, couldn't take it. And they watch her cross the river Styx with the ferryman, her soul. And as Persephone holds her crying, Lexa is crying as well, and she goes, I'm sorry, I couldn't do it. I couldn't stay. I couldn't get better. You know what the insinuation is with just that. So Persephone is dealing with that through the end of book two. At the end, they try to have some happy closure with the announcement of their engagement. Zeus proposes to her. Again, he proposes to her like three or four times in the book, but it isn't until the end where she finally says yes. And they announce their engagement at the gala. And uh, Hermes makes the joke that, you know, she didn't actually have a ring yet, so therefore it wasn't official and that he wouldn't have said yes if there wasn't a rock on his hand. And outside, Zeus does he gives her a ring and everything like that now you can imagine that this is news the engagement is news everywhere so her mom knows at the very end of the book it's august and it starts snowing and they're like why is it snowing in august and the first thing Hades says 
Yeah, we're probably about to start a war. And that's how that book ends. So do not read book one if you were not... Or don't, don't delve into book two after book one if you're not willing to wait because book four is not out yet. Now, book three is darker. Just even starting it, there is very much a darker undertone. Very much. There's other things that happen in book two that I'm not talking about on purpose because it leads into book three and just... There is some, like, sexual uh, harassment, by the way. And almost... Almost further than that. Like, she gets kidnapped and a guy is trying to do stuff, but he doesn't. He doesn't. It's the insinuation that he's about to. Um, and Hades does not have that. Um, but that's beside the point. Book four. Or sorry, book three, which is A Touch of Malice. Definitely has a darker undertone from the get-go. From the get-go. If you've read A Court of Thorns and Roses series, you know that in A Court of Mist and Fury, after everything that happens under the mountain, there's very much a change in the tone from the very beginning of the book. That's kind of what happens here in book three. You can feel the change. There's better communication between Hades and Persephone so far. Remember, I'm only about halfway through so far, so I can't give you a full account, but I'm pretty close. It's, there's a lot of tension. There's a lot of stuff that's about to happen and you can feel it. And it makes me so mad because I know that something uh, crazy is going to come and I know it's not going to end like with cut and dry. It's going to end on a cliffhanger and I can't read book four until 2023, <laughs> but that's okay. That's all right. There's other things I can read in the meantime. So let's talk about the author, uh, Scarlet St. Clair. As you can tell, I'm really enjoying this series. I really am. She's actually been really made known because of this series. She has a few other books, um, but what's great about it is these other books are very much kind of like in this realm, which makes me excited because I love it when authors do that. I really do. I love it when authors make books that are separate stories but are in the same area of things. She has been writing since about 2018, I think. She may have been writing a little bit longer. I haven't been able to find much on her. She does have some other works that aren't mythology, but her most popular ones are her mythological books. She does have a master's in library science and information studies. I had no idea that was a course in college, so that's kind of cool. And a bachelor's in English writing, so she's, she's doing pretty good so far. Her other really known works are the Hades Saga, which I believe follows this, but I'm not 100% sure. It's either like a prequel to this or his, his stuff beforehand, but I'm excited to read these. There's a few. There's a game of fate. There's a game of retribution. And then I think there's one other one. Not sure. Oh, game of the gods. Yeah, that's upcoming though. Um, there is a king of battle and blood, which is Adrian or Adrian and Isolde. Or Isolde. I don't know how to say these names. I am so sorry. But. So that one's another Greek myth one. So that one tells you what that one's about. I do have that book. I just have not started reading it. And then there's a queen. Or there's queen of myth and monsters. And that's just what's out right now. She has a bunch of upcoming books for the next year or two. One being a touch of chaos. Which is coming out October of 2023. Um, a song of sorrow. Which is an Apollo story. So we're going on some Apollo stuff. Which. That's exciting. Temptress of Fire and Fury. And then the Game of Gods, which I told you was part of the Hades saga. Temptress of Fire and Fury. I didn't 
find too much on that one. My thought, just on what it is, it's either about Athena or Aphrodite. Athena is known as the goddess of war, Aphrodite being the goddess of love, and Temptress makes me think love, Fire and Fury makes me think war. So I don't know, but I'm excited, and I can't wait to read all of these. I swear, I am getting through my to-be-read list. We're just not going to talk about it. <laughs> so I highly recommend this series. I do, even with it being ongoing, which is always hard for me. Um... Just know that this is very much a sexual book series. Not smut. It's very much in the sexual, though. Um, think more of, like, From Blood and Ash, where it has its spicy scenes, except a little bit more spice. Probably about one or two more peppers in that. Um, there's, there's a good chunk of sex scenes in these books. But the story is actually solid. The story is actually solid. There are some sex scenes that really don't need to be there except you know to be a sex scene and there are some sex scenes that actually play into the actual story um which is always great i like seeing that more than anything when it comes to books these books don't range further than 500 pages i don't think any of them have more than 400 and like 42 pages because the touch of malice is 442 touch of ruin i think is like 220 or 420 and same with uh touch of darkness it might be a few pages more it stays in that range though so yeah i think that's about it i think this is my longest podcast so far to date so maybe i can keep doing about this long by you know reading all the books in a series that might help but we'll see you know no promises so that is it today guys i hope you've enjoyed this podcast i hope that you're still listening this far because like i said this one's a this one's a long one but I hope I have led you on to your next adventure and I can't wait for our next podcast. Have a good day, guys.